Well, we've been uh, in a series of teachings on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the reason for that is because I'm convinced, and hopefully more and more you all are becoming convinced, that God's strategy to reach the world with all the problems, and they're only getting worse, they seem to be building in their magnitude, God's strategy and remedy beyond the cross, Jesus dying and paying for the sins of the world, was to send out spirit-filled missionaries to every area of the earth, from the highways to the byways, you name it. God's plan was to send out people full of the Holy Spirit who would bring to the world not only the good news of Jesus Christ, but a demonstration that God is alive, He's well, and He can change your life. And uh, we've quoted several times the verse that we've been using, but it's out of John's Gospel on the last day, the great day of the feast. And the scripture's real plain. Jesus says, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, Jesus said, out of his belly will flow a river of living water. This spoke he of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Because Jesus said, if any man believes, let him come to me and drink. So first and foremost, our most important function is to be a people who understand how to come to Jesus personally and drink from the person of Jesus, who he is. Drink from his character, drink from his power, drink from his beauty. We've got to be a people who know how to relate to Christ, the person, not through somebody else, personally engage Jesus. But from that place, according to Jesus, out of the belly of the believer will flow. Belly, simply meaning your innermost being, is going to flow a river. And we've been asking a simple question. How's it flowing? Where is it going? And is it growing? Those are three little things we've been asking. Because it's supposed to be, if you're a believer, you're supposed to have a flow of something life-giving coming out of you. And practically speaking, we've been, I know I'm redundant here, but you know, before this is over with, you're going to be able to go preach this anywhere in the world by yourself. <laughs> you and the Holy Ghost. Practically speaking, the Spirit is manifest, according to the Bible, through giftings and through character traits or fruits of the Spirit. And the giftings of the Spirit we've been talking about, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. And we're digging down through a list of these things here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll at some point deal with the fruits as well of the Spirit. And we don't want to limit the Holy Ghost, but we sure want to understand the tools we've received, right? We've received tools to show forth the glory of God. So, uh, up to this point, let me just read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, not just to a few, but to everybody, to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. We've already talked about that. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing, plural, multiple gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Last 
week we dealt with the working of miracles. Anybody had a miracle since last week? I'll tell you, we had a powerful testimony of that dear sister from Ashley with her knee. Just a powerful, documented, medical, documented miracle in her life. And uh, powerful. I know we had a lot of wonderful things happen for us. God, you know, you might, most of you, maybe many of you have heard this, but you might not call it a miracle, but I just call it a, a divine manifestation of God's faithfulness and care over us. But Teo came out to our house the other day. He's going to be helping us with a mother-in-law suite. Amen. And uh, he walked out there, and in the courtyard between our house and our garage was a five-and-a-half-foot-long diamondback rattlesnake coiled up. <laughs> just sitting there on the concrete. And that's when we had little Gabby Joy, a little 18-month-old around. No joke. And Teo, out there, grabbed a piece of pipe he found, PVC pipe he found on the ground, and smacked the thing, and the pipe broke. And I, have to, I, I wish I had a picture of it to show you. The pipe broke in the shape, a perfect symmetrical shape of a spear. I mean, it broke with a point right... I couldn't have made it more symmetrical. It was just perfect like this and he got up on the railing and the snake angry now <laughs> moving along came right over on the, under this leaf dirt area and he went right through the head of that snake and I don't care if you like snakes or not I was happy he <laughs> killed that snake I mean it was done man yeah thank God so one of the one of the gifts of the spirit is snake killing amen I just added it to the list it's there it's a part of your inheritance as a believer yeah, I thank God for the manifestations of the Spirit. Thank God that people show up and are willing to employ uh, the weapons. I tell you, when that, when that, I, I, maybe I'm overstating it, but when I tell you, when I looked at that thing and I saw the way it was shaped, I thought, you know what? God, you formed that pipe to stick that thing right in the head. I mean, he just did, man. You know, isn't it good to know that God is working with us? God worked with them. Signs and wonders were done by the church because God was working with them. There is a cooperation. And we saw that last week, didn't we, with the gift of miracles or the working of miracles. There was a participation God required of people. Jesus' first miracle, fill the water pots and so on. You know, draw out the water, take it to the governor of the feast. These were things people had to do for that miracle to occur. And But Jesus was the one who was the author of the thing. So, praise God for that. So, working of miracles, and then today, here's what we're going to dive into today. A very important, beautiful, thank God for this gift. It is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Let me pray. Father, thank you today for the Spirit, your Spirit, here in this place, moving inspiring, bringing revelation to us about who you are. Thank you for the gift of prophecy today, Lord. All of these gifts, but today I ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to receive what this gift is into each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, interestingly, you know, I'm not going to take the time this morning to, there's a lot of words uh, that are used to communicate this thing called prophecy. Uh, in some respects, it's very much what a prophet is, but in other respects, it's different in the sense that you're not necessarily in the office of the prophet. 
Okay, like you might not be in the office of a pastor like I am, but you might be very pastoral. You might have a real heart to care for people and shepherd people, but maybe you're not in the office. In prophecy, there is such a thing as an office of a prophet, which that's really not what we're talking so much about today. That's somebody whose unique anointing is governmental and it's bigger picture and so on. But we're talking about the gift of prophecy, okay, which is very similar to what the prophet does, just in a different kind of a way it manifests itself. And, you know, I can't really take and do it justice anyways, the time to go through all the various Greek and Hebrew words and so on, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of a synopsis. And if it's okay, I'm going to do what I did last week. Remember last week, uh, I, I did a bunch of W's, right? Talked about what the gift was, why the gift was, who it's for, where it occurs, and when, right? So what, why, who, where, and when. Now don't worry, I'm probably not going to do this every week, but here I am a second week because it worked okay last week and it just seemed to fit me this week, so we're doing it again. Amen. So what is prophecy? What is it? Well, the Greek word used in 1 Corinthians 12 where we just were, it really simply means a prediction or the ability to predict coming from a root word uh, to be an inspired speaker. Okay, I think this is probably more consistent with what we're trying to get to here today, and that is speaking that's been inspired. It's not just your thoughts. It's not just your ideas. It's not just what you want to put into the equation, you know. It's something that's happening by inspiration, meaning God has imparted a thought to you, and then to speak under the inspiration of the Lord would be just a simple way of looking at what this thing prophecy is is about. So we, we, we're, we're in essence, if this gift is going to flow, we need to be inspired. We need to be positioned for inspiration and attuned to inspiration from the Lord. Then we speak out of that place. Uh, the, the root words that come up under this thing, you know, have to do with making known one's thoughts. Now I like to say primarily it's making known the thoughts of God. It's making known the thoughts of of God. Very similar, again, along the lines here of the office of the prophet. This helps us a little bit. A prophet, uh, you know, is obviously someone who's speaking on behalf of another. Interesting uh, example of this in the book of Exodus, Exodus 7 and 1, uh, the Lord dealing with Moses and his unwillingness to speak. You know, he's all timid and got issues around some of this stuff. But the Lord says to Moses in Exodus 7, 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made you a god, small g, to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet, or your mouthpiece. Aaron actually is going to talk for you. Okay, So prophecy, like the prophet, but the gift of prophecy, is speaking on behalf of someone else. God being the one that we're trying to speak on behalf of. So God's thoughts come, and then this gift of prophecy begins to speak and, mo and, and bring clarity to something that's on God's heart or on God's mind. I love this definition. This, to me, uh, describes my experience with this gift. Okay? To bubble forth like a fountain. I love that. This is what this word means, to bubble forth like a fountain. The first time I ever uh, moved or was being moved on in this area, I think I've shared it before here, but I was in a meeting. I was newly born again, 
And they were worshiping the Lord in the presence of God. It was in a house meeting. The presence of God filled the place. And while we were worshiping, all of a sudden, like in here, was this expanding pressure. But it was not a bad feeling. It was just kind of like... And, and it's like I knew it was wanting to work its way up into some words, you know. But I really didn't know what it was. I just felt the presence of the Lord. And I felt this bubbling forth, like the scripture defines here, bubbling forth like a fountain it was trying to come forth but i didn't know what to do with it and so i did what a lot of us do i just kind of stuffed it back down i just kind of pushed it down until afterwards i was talking to some seasoned men seasoned christian men and i said to them you know i had this i couldn't shake it i had this experience and and they just kind of chuckled they said that's the gift of prophecy and they said what you need to do is just open your mouth you don't have to, you know, I used to think what you had to have was everything you were about to say. And uh, I learned later on, it's really not about that. You might get a thought, you might get an idea, kind of like a starting point with something. But it's, it's about flowing, right? How is it flowing? Flow denotes open the valve and let it start, Okay. Open the valve and let it start. So, you know, I reached out in a really big way on my first effort, and I blurted out, God loves you. <laughs> you know, that felt safe. It felt, you know. But I found in time that that gift, when given room, will begin flowing. I can't tell you how many times over the years God has used that gift to me personally, brought words to me that have come to pass and encouraged me and just kept me from just totally bailing out as well as has used us often when we travel overseas in teams and we're ministering and like in India it comes to mind where hundreds of people are coming forward to receive prayer and we'll have a team and I tell you the spirit of prophecy comes on teams that have gone out of this church and we begin praying and just encouraging people and inspiration and inspired prayers start happening and I'm telling you they've come to pass over and over again the gift of prophecy I remember being in India when on our first trips in India and uh, this couple you know you don't know these people they're just coming one after the other, and they're so hungry they won't let you sleep man at the end of the meeting and the whole day is done you're spent you go to somebody's house for dinner they want to feed you and then all of a sudden all their aunts and relatives show up and they all want personal prayer you know it's like golly I am cooked you know but I remember this one couple came in front of me the first time we were in India and I got this word this gal's pregnant I mean she was not looking pregnant at all she was a very slender gal she didn't you know she didn't look pregnant at all the Lord says she's pregnant and he says she's going to have a son and his name's going to be called Samuel and I'm like hello <laughs> you know what do you do with this word you know so at that point I, I was under a pretty strong anointing I felt the Lord and you know I've learned to kind of um, preface my prayers you don't have to by the way say thus says the Lord you can just say you know I don't know what this will mean to you but as you stood in front of me these thoughts came into my mind and I just like to put them out there and pray over you you just take it before the Lord you know I, I put all these qualifiers in there right just sign right here you know no you know no liabilities or anything like that but anyway I just said to them I said you know I just felt the Lord just spoke to me and said you're pregnant and um, you're gonna have a son and his name's gonna be Samuel 
Do you know we went back two years later and they brought and showed me Samuel? No joke. They, they, were, they were beating the door down to find me. And I thought, wow. God, you just did that. It was so... Um, when we, we're planning, we have a small team uh, planning to go out to India this year, actually. And at the end of this year, there's uh, about five people going to be heading out. I know some of you are going, what about me? How many of you want to go on a missions trip? Let me see your hands. Seriously, stick them up. Lots of you. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to be gearing up. We're rolling some teams out of this place again by the grace of God. And, uh, but I can't wait to find Samuel, <laughs> who's probably now staring me eye to eye because that was almost 20 years ago, however long it was. To bubble up. It means to interpret one's thoughts, God's thoughts. Bubbling. So what is it? It's a grace that comes to inspire us with God's thoughts, but not just so we can think them, so we can speak them, and those thoughts can bring life to people around us. It's a gift, not a curse, prophecy. It's a gift. It's an encouragement. It's something that's... You know, think about for even this family who had the little baby Samuel. I have no idea what their natural circumstances and situations were, but let's just say they'd been trying to get pregnant for a long time. And that word came as a confirmation. Let's just say they'd been down the road, he was without work, and they were struggling. Think about, you know what? God spoke this child. God brought this child. You know, Paul told Timothy, you know, make war with the prophecies that were given to you. Make war with them. They're like words that come like weapons in your hand. That God says, this is my will for your life. And if you've heard that will and it's been confirmed in your life, you're going to be able to weather some hard places. What is the word of the Lord over you and over me? We need to know those words that come from the Lord. And we need to try them and we need to weigh them and judge them and all that stuff. But listen, there's something so precious about a word from the Lord to your life. You better hold on to it like a weapon because you're going to need it. That's the bottom line. You're going to need it. So we know, in essence, what prophecy is about. How about why this gift? So we know what, but now let's talk about why prophecy. Why would God give prophecy? And let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about their spiritual gifts and about the flow of those gifts and how to operate in them in an edifying manner. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, he says, Pursue love. And earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and consolation or comfort. Some translations say, you know, for edification, exhortation, and comfort. I like this one, though, because it puts it in a little more common language. For upbuilding people, here's why. We're talking about why prophecy. Here, New Testament definition of prophecy, and this is a good way to judge, you know, and keep yourself in the right flow, because you can get into all kinds of other stuff. It's for the purpose of building people up, 
It's for the purpose of encouraging people and for comforting or bringing consolation to people. Prophecy, a lot of times people get this idea that like the Old Testament prophet going around and pointing out everybody's sins and telling people what's wrong with them. Listen, that is not this gift. Okay, just know that right out the gate. That is not this gift. This gift is to build up. It's to encourage and to comfort people. So it's a good filter to have. It's a good way of kind of making sure you're in the right flow because again, there are wrong flows. You can say a lot of things inspired by not the Holy Ghost. Inspired by demons. Sometimes inspired by your own hurts. You know, hurt people do hurt people as the saying goes. I've heard people in, in meetings that will burp, you know, burp out a prophecy. <laughs> blurt out. They might burp it out too. I don't know. But blurt out a prophecy. I've never heard a burped prophecy. I don't think I want to. But Anyways, keep the burp prophecies to yourself. But I've heard people put prophecies out there in a meeting, and what they were really trying to do is tell somebody that they have an issue with across the room something. Hello. That is not what this is about. This is about edification, encouragement, right? And consolation or comfort, all right? Edification and, and comfort. All right. So that's why this gift is flowing. It's why God... And listen, does the, do we need this stuff? Do we need building up? I'm going to tell you, there's so much out there to tear you down. The world and the devil has set up such a system to constantly... You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You don't drive enough in a nice enough car. You don't make enough money. You always say the wrong thing. I mean, it's just voices, 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 voices. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. You'll never do this. And here comes God in his mercy, and he pours out grace by the Holy Ghost to start building people up where they've been torn down, to start encouraging us where God knows we need encouragement. So many people are discouraged today, hopeless. And so many people need comfort. You know, the devil is there just when you're down, kicking you while you're down. This gift doesn't come to kick you while you're down. This gift comes to, to, to bring comfort to you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is going to make a way for you. Jesus is good and he's good all the time. You need to know that. And you need to know that right in the middle of all the other voices you're listening to and you're hearing because there are many voices in the world. Many voices. But here comes the, the word of the Lord through how? Just, does it just appear out of nowhere? No, no. It comes through the individual believers, the church, we're carrying this grace. I wonder how many times God has wanted you to speak a word to somebody who was on the edge of committing suicide. Somebody that was on the edge of just totally losing it. And here you are with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And here comes the bubbling. But I have to just, you know, let's all get in the same boat here because we're all in the same boat. You know, there's time we just, we quench, you know, and we despise prophesying. We hold things down. But God's saying, no, I'm looking for a people where out of their innermost being will flow a river, a bubbling fountain of life-giving water. Life-giving water. It's God's grace to the world through the church. So why? 
to build up. Also, it's the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelations 19 and 10. John says, I fell at his feet to worship him. This was an angel who was talking with him. And he said unto me, See that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's a pretty strong statement. It's basically, to me, it's saying that this gift and what's behind the spirit of this gift is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's designed to move people towards the person of Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. And in him and in him alone is salvation. So basically, this gift is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. But the way it really happens is because it brings people to Jesus. There's no comfort like in Jesus. There's no encouragement like in Jesus. Come on. There's no building up that you'll find anywhere like in the person of Jesus. You know, when you see Jesus, whether you get it or not, what you're seeing is God's intention for you. So when you see Jesus walking on water and then you see one of his disciples doing the same, it's because we're called to be like him. He is the perfect man, the model man. So when I look at Jesus, I think, man, the guy's got it together. And God says, yeah, and that's the plan I have for you. You're going to have it together too if you, if you come to me and you walk with me and you let me do my work, my deep work in your life. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. One other great reason I think for the why prophecy why is prophecy important what you know what why do we need it Ezekiel 37 the valley of dry bones <laughs> you know one of the things prophecy does is it brings to life dry bones you remember the story there the account in Ezekiel Ezekiel has this vision Ezekiel 37 and God shows him this valley of dry bones they're not just dry bones they're very dry bones and that's, that's important. You don't, don't miss these little, th these little words like very. You know, it's like Peter on the rooftop when he became very hungry. Not just hungry, but very hungry. Very is an important word. And so here you've got a valley of very dry bones. They're absolutely just worthless. They're dead. There's no hope or anything. And God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live again? Ezekiel says, you know, you know, Lord. And he says, I want you to prophesy to them. I know they're dead, very dead. I know they're absolutely with no life at all in them. But here's what I'm going to do. Through the gift of prophecy, I'm going to start shaping something that's dead right now. And by the word of prophecy, dry bones became a mighty army sinew and flesh and life came back in and stood up a mighty army before God all through the prophetic grace you know prophecy will actually create things where there is nothing it creates hope where there's no hope it creates you know people that are just given to despair and they're all it's all over prophecy comes and it changes things by the spirit of the Lord prophecy why the testimony of Jesus to build up people which is what Jesus is all about not to tear them down 
and to bring life where there is no life, where things are dead. So we've talked about what is prophecy. We've talked about why prophecy. Now we're going to talk about who. Who's it for? Well, it's clear to me. It's for believers, right? This gift is for a believer to function in. Obviously, the target of the gift is anyone, believer or non-believer. But those who function in it would be believers. But I want to I help you just like we did here a while back with miracles. You know, miracles, we think, oh, you, it's for the hyper-spiritual. It's for those who've got it all together. No, no. Listen, these gifts, God, God delights to give gifts to the most unlikely of us. Amen. So that the world will marvel. <laughs> that that's, can't be about them. That's got to be something given by God. I believe this, because Paul, when you read it in the context, Paul is trying to get, he says, listen, desire spiritual gifts, but if you're really going to go after one, desire that you prophesy. Go after this gift. Pursue this gift. This is a good one to have. This is a really good one to have. You should hunger for this gift. And I believe it's because God wants there to be such life-giving encouragement and comfort and, and building up through the church right now in this hour like never before. And it's going to only become more important as troubles continue to unfold. People are going to be so desperate and need a word from the Lord. Revelations chapter 19 and verse 6 says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters. Notice this. A great multitude... That's a lot of people, and it's a voice we're talking about. These are words being spoken. These are words being uttered. And yet they're, they're likened to a voice of many waters. And as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. I like this because we're talking about who is this for? And I believe it's not just for a select few. I'm not talking about the office of the prophet. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy. Okay, And I believe multitudes that's the context here multitudes i heard the voice of multitudes of people and it was like the sound of rushing waters many many waters well it goes on if you read actually it not goes on if you can pick up in the first chapter of revelations we get a little insight into this voice of many waters it's a picture of jesus the risen christ and it says and his feet like they were like unto fine brass as if they burned in the furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters there it is it's real simple we got two two scriptures jesus's voice was as the sound of how many waters many waters and what we just finished reading in revelations was i heard the sound of a multitude as the sound of many waters the point is God wants to speak. The voice of Jesus in this hour can be heard and should be heard through the many-membered body of Christ. Have anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Yes. You know what that sounds like. It's a sound like no other. I'm just telling you, millions of gallons of water, it roars. The earth shakes. When you start getting near the place, you're in awe. I mean, it's, whoa, it's just un... I can't even do it with my mouth. <laughs> Hard to believe. I know, I've got quite a sound uh, catalog, but I can't get that one out. I just can't make it happen. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's powerful. That is God's intention for the church. 
You say, well, I feel like I'm just one little drop or one little drip. You know what? It ain't about just you. It's about all of us together. The sound of the voice of the Lord, the sound of a great multitude, the sound of many waters out of your belly will flow a river. That doesn't mean you're the only river, but it means you're the river in you linked up to the river in me and the river in your neighbor and the river in the church down the street and people that begin flowing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a voice, the voice of the Lord that's going to be heard again in the earth. It's for a lot of us, not just a few of us. That's the point here. Who, who is this gift for? Multitudes, multitudes. Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy one by one. He's, in, he's exhorting the Corinthian church. You can all speak under inspiration. You know, you, you may, maybe you've not re realized this, but maybe sometime along the way you've prayed for somebody. And while you're praying for them, just in the prayer, you have a thought come into your mind. And you just kind of pray that thought out there. Like, you know, Lord, I just pray you encourage Jimmy today. And maybe you didn't even really know that he was really, really depressed. You know, but he, he asked you to pray for some other thing. And you just had this thought about encouragement. I'm telling you, that's prophecy. It's not like you're foretelling the future necessarily, but edification, building up, exhorting and comforting, right? It's flowing. Simple little things are the beginning points of big things if you'll simply obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather especially that you may prophesy. Again, I'm making the point there that this is something that we're asking, we're asking the question, who flows in this gift? Let me tell you, more likely than not, I believe every one of us should flow in some form of this gift. That's my conviction, like, kind of like faith. Everybody should flow in some faith at some level. I think this gift, God wants desperately to help us flow in this gift. Who? Well, you know the story. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But even in the Old Testament, when Moses uh, is dealing with a people that are quite um, cantankerous and, and not easy to please and and he's, Moses is coming to his wit's end, and finally God says, gather up 70 of the elders, get them around you, meet me at the tabernacle, and I'm going to pour out my spirit, and the same spirit I've put on you, I'm going to put on these 70 elders. And, and so they, he gathers them up, and um, they all come out there, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord comes on them, and they all begin prophesying. They all begin prophesying, except two of them, didn't show up to the tabernacle when they were supposed to. We don't know why they weren't there. But they were out somewhere in the camp and they too began to prophesy. Eldad and Medad outside the camp. And somebody complains and says, hey, hey, there's a couple guys. I got to be careful here. There's a couple guys that didn't come to church this week and they're out there prophesying somewhere. <laughs> And they're complaining because they didn't make it to church that day for some reason. And uh, he said, they're outside prophesying. Command them to stop. And Moses said, what? Would to God that all of God's people were prophets. That was his answer. Would to God that all of God's people were prophets. That's the heart of God. You've got to hear that. We're asking the question, who? 
And God's desire is, I would to God that you all prophesy. I would to God that all of you step out and, and start to speak under inspiration. You know, you've already done this. You probably didn't at times recognize what was going on. But when we pay attention to these things, we can start to see and see life begin flowing through our lives. So that leads us to the next question. So we've talked about what prophecy is. We've talked about who, right, uh, is the one, you know, why, and then who. And then we're uh, now going to talk about where should prophecy happen. Well, I just quoted you a story that says it can happen in the church or outside of the church. Don't think that the gift of prophecy is just for the local assembly, although Paul is clearly addressing that element. But I'm convinced this gift belongs out there with your lost neighbor, with the gal at the checkout counter who's about to have a nervous breakdown, whose husband just left her and she doesn't know how she's going to pay her bills. I'm talking about this gift to build up to encourage, right? Which is the testimony of Jesus. It's all designed to get people knowing Christ. That's the point of this thing. But if anybody needs to be encouraged, often it's this lost world who just doesn't know the Lord. So where? Inside and outside. Location, location, location. And the location is wherever the Spirit of the Lord is bubbling. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is is bubbling, right? Remember, the gift of prophecy is for this bubbling up. It's how it manifests itself. Anywhere, I, I like to say it like this, where should prophecy happen? Anywhere people need to be edified, encouraged, and comforted. <laughs> you want to know where prophecy should occur? Anywhere people need to be encouraged, built up, and comforted. Can you think of any places? The beauty shop? Oh, I bet the beauty shop's full of people. Full of people full of people, Becky. <laughs> Depending on who cuts their hair, it could be more desperate than others. <clears throat> Anywhere people need it. That's, that's really where. How about when? When should prophecy occur? I want you to hang in there with me. We've only got a couple more points here, but today, at the end of this meeting, we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to believe God for a release of this gifting right here today in our midst. Amen. And uh, because we need it today. Anybody need some uh, encouragement today? Come on, let me see your hands. Anybody need some encouragement today? Anybody need uh, to be built up? Maybe you've been torn down somewhere. You could stand a little building up. Maybe somebody needs some comfort here today. Well, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God, I believe, is here today to help us in this grace. We're stewards of this stuff, and God's so willing to help us with it. So on the issue of when prophecy should occur and when it should take place. There is an issue, I think, here for this. And I'd like to just kind of state an important point on the when issue. Timing, it does matter, okay? Um, I'm convinced that the atmosphere of the prophetic anointing is the atmosphere of worship. Worship is the atmosphere of the prophetic realm, the realm of worship, okay? Um, let me just give you a few scriptures just to solidify this point because if you see it, you'll realize that you can actually cultivate an atmosphere around your life that's conducive to the gift of prophecy. 
You can actually live a life of worship and receive more revelation and inspiration from the Lord. Whereas if you live a, a life of mumbling and grumbling and complaining and looking at all the stuff around you, you're not going to have a whole lot of good to say to anybody. But if you live in that realm where you're seeing the glory of God and the goodness of the Lord and the power of who He is, which is what worship is about, from that realm, this anointing flows. So often... Uh, discussed portion of scripture but there in second kings <clears throat> chapter three you've got the northern ten tribes that are in trouble israel in the north that are in trouble and they call out to the southern tribes and they say hey we need some help we got an enemy coming against us will you help us and so jehoshaphat from judah in the south decides to go up and help the king in the north and uh their enemies they get out there and they're, and they're surrounded. They've got a, kind of a league of three nations going to try to defend their interest. And they're out of water. Crisis, major crisis. A huge army, no water. And they feel like, oh my gosh, we're going to get overtaken. And they don't know what to do. And so one of them says, isn't there not a man of God here? Is there a prophet around here? And so somebody points them to Elisha the prophet. And basically Elisha steps up on the scene and he says this. He says, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat in the south, I wouldn't even be paying attention to you northern tribes because of your sin and idolatry. And, and he says this, but I'm going to prophesy because of God's promise to the south, to David's line. And he basically says this, bring me a musician. It's a powerful verse of scripture. If you're jotting notes and you want to read it because you've not seen it before, 2 Kings 3 and 15, Elisha says to these guys that are in all this crisis mode, he says, now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him and he began to prophesy. Now I'm telling you, Elisha knew how to get a hold of this anointing. And I'm telling you, a lot of times you're in confusing places, you don't know what to do. Take a piece of advice from the scripture. Bring me a worshiping psalmist or give me a really hot cd you know that just something that's got the anointing on it the glory of god's on that thing and let me let me just go ahead and get in the presence of god and in the presence of god god's thoughts start to flow and from that place the spirit it says the hand of the lord came upon him and in that that's the, that's language saying that god's you know hand was there so his hand could do the works of god he began to prophesy he changed the whole situation around with prophetic words and their enemies were defeated bring me a minstrel worship is the atmosphere of prophecy so let's just talk about the context of a church gathering it's very common and shouldn't be a surprise to us that if we've had a time of worship where we've honored God in spirit and in truth not a show but real worship going on, it's very common as we're worshiping or towards the end of that time that thoughts will begin. That's where prophecy often flows. Why? Because the atmosphere of prophecy is the presence of the Lord. And where there's worship and glory given to God, this thing starts bubbling. It's what happened with me in that home meeting that first time. The presence of God, all of a sudden this bubbling is going on. So maybe you've been there and you felt that and you didn't know what it is. Well, now you know. Open your mouth right when it says well i mean the when is our question here today when in a time of worship is a good time 
and a time where the presence of the Lord is in the room and you've got that stirring, that's a good place and time to do it. The other interesting thing, let me just give you another verse to kind of solidify this thought of when in worship. First Samuel 10 and 5. Saul is being set in uh, as king. Samuel speaks to him in his, the innocence kind of of his youth. And he says to him, After that you shall come uh, to Gibeah of Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place. Listen with a harp, tambourines, a flute, a lyre before them, prophesying. So he tells him, you know, and, and then it says this, then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And now when these things meet you, do what your hand finds to do for God is with you. That's one of the fruits of prophecy, encouragement. God's with you and God's going to help you through this thing and so on. But think about what's going on. Samuel the prophet is saying, I want you to go here. God's got a plan for your life. You've not even been aware of it, but I want you to go here and I want you to do this. And as you go, you're going to meet a group, a school of prophets, and they're coming down from a place of worship. They've got instruments. They've been in the presence of God. And when you get in the presence of God, guess what, Saul? You who have never prophesied before in your life are going to start prophesying with them. That's because there's an atmosphere for prophecy. There's an atmosphere for prophecy. And the atmosphere of prophecy is the presence of God. It's worship. And, you know, if we can just do the simple math here, do you need some encouragement? You need to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. You need to shut off the TV, shut off all the depressing news, and you need to go ahead and put on some worship music and quiet your heart down some and sit before the Lord. I'm telling you, that's the place where you find this wonderful provision from the Lord, inspiration that comes for you and maybe for others that you're carrying in your spirit. Another neat part of this truth is that the atmosphere of prophecy can be grown. It's growable. And that's why we're talking about it here today, you know. You can grow this atmosphere. This was a school of prophets, right? They were being taught to prophesy. They were being trained, right? And you know the story later on, the same Saul, who's now gone bad you know he's taking a bad turn he's hunting David down David is hiding out at Ramah and he sends Saul sends messengers to get David and as the messengers get there well David smart guy hanging out where the anointing is <laughs> you know you got some things hunting you you got some things after you just take some counsel from David Run into the place where the anointing is. Hang out where the presence of God is. You do have a choice on that. And in that place, David's hiding out behind a bunch of prophets. <laughs> and here comes these ill-intent messengers from Saul. And as they get close to where they are, we don't know exactly the moment, but I have to say this to you. At a certain point, they went from the presence of King Saul's court where there was no anointing, or if anything, an evil anointing. He was tormented, Saul was. 
And they're walking along a path to a geographical location where some prophets who are ministering to the presence of God are. And as these messengers get to a certain spot, we don't know the exact point, but they hit an atmosphere. And they began prophesying. Prophesying. What would it be like if a local church would pay enough attention to this grace that people that just drive by, come on somebody, talk to me, would begin prophesying because the heavens are open over that local church because there's people who are worshiping people whose hearts are burning for the presence of the Lord and you just get around it and the heavens open and you start to declare the mysteries of God I believe in that stuff years ago before I ever pastored this church I was driving by this church and the Spirit of God came on me and I was so overwhelmed and I should have obeyed and I didn't that day I felt like I was supposed to stop my car get out and put my face on the grass while all the traffic was going that was the thought that hit me and I'm just you know I'm having that fight in my mind that would be the dumbest thing anybody's ever seen in Fernandina Beach you know this guy on the ground just now I know it was the Spirit of the Lord saying, one day, that little church right there has your name on it. You're going to have something to do with that church. But it was God trying to talk to me. This atmosphere is growable. If you're taking notes and you want to read some of that stuff, 1 Samuel 19 and verse 18. And you know the story, maybe, maybe you don't, but you know, so Saul sends a messenger and he doesn't come back because he's out there prophesying. <laughs> so Saul hears about it. Hey, the guy you sent there got converted, you know, he's not on your team anymore. So he sends another one. Same thing happens. Gets within, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to do my king justice. And all of a sudden, gets within a certain realm and the, the glory of God hits him. God bless the kingdom of David. <laughs> you know, and he's been paid by Saul, you know. He's on Saul's payroll and he's prophesying for David. Just go figure, you know. Sends another one. Same thing. And finally, Saul says, you know, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Saul packs up. Saul goes himself. And Saul gets to that magic spot in the road, wherever that is, where the glory of God is cultivated by a people who are worshiping him. And when Saul gets there, Saul starts prophesying. Darn it! I mean, you think of what it must be like for Saul, who's come to kill David. He's saying, David's king. <laughs> David's king to the glory of God. So much so that he strips himself naked and he lays there all day long. That's what prophecy does. It just kind of lays things open, you know? What could happen to our enemies if this gift was given room? If this gift was stirred up? If this gift was honored? Paul says, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you might prophesy. Rather that you might prophesy. On the issue of when, this is one last little housekeeping uh, thing that's important for us as we're flowing in-house in this gifting. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, Paul speaking. 
He says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting by, let the first be silent. For then he goes on to, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And then notice this, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So really what Paul was doing was the Corinthians had, they, they had these graces flowing and moving, but they were kind of talking on top of each other. You ever been trying to talk with somebody and they're talking at the same time you're talking and nobody's hearing each other? Well, the church was just kind of in some chaos and confusion. And Paul's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get the benefit out of this thing. Prophesy one at a time, right? One at a time. Let the others that sit by, you know, judge what is said. That means everything that doesn't, you know, that gets said doesn't mean it's necessarily the perfect, exact revelation of God. That's why the scripture says we know in part, come on, we prophesy in part. So what's your job? Eat the part that's good and spit out the part that's not. Sometimes there's more good and more bad, but you know, you just got to kind of sort through stuff to see we're coming through frail human vessels. You know, we got to get big enough and mature enough, if you will, in our spirituality to realize that we're, we're just trying to hear the voice of God in the midst of it all. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, meaning that it's not really accurate to say, I just had to say that when I said it because it, it, God, God came, gave it to me in that moment and I knew it was right now. Well, if right now something else is going on, you need to be sensitive to the ebb and the flow of the Spirit, for the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. God has not called us to confusion, right? So, to me, that's just a wonderful point on the question of when do pro we prophesy? In the presence of the Lord, in an atmosphere of worship, right? And when the bubbling begins to happen, but there is kind of this ebb and flow if you're in a corporate setting of this gift, how it should flow and how it should manifest. All right. So, how many of you remember, I believe it was last week I mentioned this simple scripture found in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Basically says this, For by faith we have access into this grace wherein we now stand. Okay? By faith we access this grace wherein we now stand. What that says to me is that of all the gifts, if you want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, it's going to begin in faith. By faith, we have access into grace. That's the gift, right? But you don't get there without some faith. So sometimes you've got to step out in faith and see what the Lord will do. So here's what I want to do this morning. By faith, okay? In a moment, I felt like the Lord wanted me to just pray for somebody. Don't even know who that is yet, to be honest with you. But I just felt like when I was preparing for this meeting today, God said, I just want you to wait on me, and I'm going to bring somebody to your attention, and I just want you to ask them to come forward, and I'm just going to have you pray over them. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray and see if God gives me something specific for that person. If I don't get anything really you know, direct or specific. I'm going to pray a blessing of encouragement and so on because I want you to pay attention. Here's why. Because when I'm done, you're going to do it. Amen. He said, oh my gosh, I told you we shouldn't have come here today. 
Who just said that? <laughs> it's going to be okay, trust me. And here's what, I, here's what we're going to do in a few moments, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and just we're going to wait on God together. And then I'm just going to ask you to, with somebody, you could twos or threes, but you know, I just, here's what we're going to do in a few minutes. We're going to just take a moment and you're gonna, we're going to turn on some worship music. Why? Come on, talk to me. Why? Come on. The spirit of prophecy is in the atmosphere of worship and the glorifying of Jesus. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to take a moment and just wait, and then you're going to basically, um, let's just say you're partnered up. Christy and I are partnered up. And, and by the way, it'd be great if you did this with somebody you don't know, if you're bold enough. But if you've got somebody right there and you're just kind of shy, it's okay. God will meet you there too. Uh, but if you got somebody you don't know and you just find somebody and you just say, you know, hi, hey, John, never met you before. My name's, you know, Bill. Hey, nice to meet you. Great. Okay. Well, let's just wait for a second. We're going to wait just for a few minutes. We're going to pray. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues. Great time to do that. If you don't, you just kind of hang out there and wait for a second. And then what I'm going to ask you to do, take turns. First one's going to say, you know what? Okay, I'm going to pray for you. And you can hear this simple instruction, real simple. You don't have to say, thus says the Lord. None of that stuff. All you need to do is just say, you know what? Lord, I just, I, I pray you bless Christy today. And, and as you're praying, you know, maybe you think, you know, I don't know, I, this thought comes to my mind, so I'm just going to turn this into a prayer. And remember what kind of prayer? To build up, to encourage, to comfort. Okay? It's not supposed to be, you know what? I feel like you're in sin. <laughs> and... Um, that's not what we're talking about here right now. That's, that's not what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about is building up, encouraging, and comforting. Okay? And you feel like you get some thundering word from God that somebody's in sin. You come tell me the pastor, and I'll judge that separately and decide if that's something God is trying to do or not. But that's not your assignment today. Is everybody okay with that? That's the one rule of, of the game, of the process. Amen?